0: Good morning, church. I'm glad you could join me this morning. As we're continuing our series of messages on the uh, teachings of Jesus, you know, I was thinking the other day, uh, amidst this pandemic that we're in, the uncertainties that are before us. And I began to think, is there anything about tomorrow we can be certain about? Is there any guarantee that you or I will even have a, a job a year from now? Is there any guarantee that you or I will uh, not get seriously ill or possibly die in an auto accident? Is there anything about the future we can know for sure, for certain? Jesus says there is. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50, Jesus tells a story, a parable, that opens a window to the future. He warns us of an event that is certain to take place at the end of the age, at the end of time. So, if you would follow along as I read uh, the parable of the net, or the parable of the fishing net, beginning in verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected, collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When we look to the future, is there anything that we can be certain about? Jesus not only tells us there is, he paints us a picture, an illustration through this parable. The scene he paints is a fishing scene. It's a, it seems, uh, this scene is very familiar uh, to his disciples. And remember, much of Jesus' ministry took place around the Sea of Galilee. So when Jesus talked about or spoke about fish or fishing, those that were in his attendance, the crowds that were around them, the people listening, knew uh, what the story meant or the teaching uh, was. They understood fishing. The fishermen in the first century would often use Huge drag nets to catch their uh, to gather their catch in from the Sea of Galilee. Weights were attached to the bottom of the net, floats were on the top of the nets, so this created a a wall around everything that swam inside the area encircled by the fishing net. It was a huge net that was drawn along uh, between two boats, or tied to uh, on shore at one end and put. Uh, put out by a boat at the other end, which was then drawn to shore by ropes. And it was meant to catch everything in its path. So, we have the picture of our time on earth uh, from this parable, kind of moving along like this net, moving us, pulling us towards the end of the days and the coming judgment. We're all involved, all mankind, whether we realize it or not, and we're all in the same net. With a dragnet, back in the day in the first century, when fish are, are caught up in it, it, it's it's large enough for the fish to still swim around and not be aware that they're caught in a net until the end. At that last moment, when that net is tightened, they understand, the fish understand the situation that they're in. That's the reality, the reality today. Many deny God and his kingdom. And they do not realize they're part of something much bigger than this life that we're living in. Many fail to realize we were created for eternity. And as we move closer to the ends of the age, the end of time, to Judgment Day, uh, many will realize their situation too late and discover that they've been all along living in God's kingdom but never took advantage of the offer to join the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has been established here, now, as well as in the future. And all of us are part of it. All of us are caught in this one net, this kingdom net. Believers and unbelievers are bound together in that we share the honor of being God's creation, whether we uh, acknowledge it or not. Nothing escaped when the fishermen drew in the net. Everything got dragged onto shore. Unfortunately, not everything in their nets was useful. Some of their catch was just junk fish, some too small. Some fish could not be eaten because they were considered unclean. That uh, that meant the fishermen had to sit down and sort their catch. The bad fish separated from the good fish. That's the picture, the illustration Jesus paints in this parable. And in verse 49, Jesus says, This is how it will be at the end of the age. Did you hear what Jesus said? Do you see his words? This is how it will be. There's absolutely certainty in his statement. Jesus didn't say, maybe this will happen. No, Jesus is certain about what the end will bring. Do you know why this is so significant? Jesus is God. That means he he, he doesn't just know the future, he determines it. As we gather here this morning, you or I do not know for certain what tomorrow will bring. But here's something I do know about tomorrow. At the end of the age, The angels of heaven will come and separate the righteous from the unrighteous, believers from the unbelievers, the saved from the unsaved. I know it because Jesus says it. In the previous parables, Jesus illustrated the nature of the kingdom of heaven, the power and the influence of the kingdom, the personal gain of the kingdom. Now, He focuses on the judgment connected with the kingdom of heaven. The parable of the net, found only in the book of Matthew. It's a frightening warning about what happens to the wicked when they are separated from the righteous in the last days. This parable is a disturbing teaching. It's alarming when you think. This isn't the kind of thing we want to hear. We want to believe that, you know what, we've got it made. And there's no chance that we might be thrown into this fiery furnace. And yet, that's the possibility Jesus lays out quite clearly here in Matthew chapter 13. Let's stop and think for a moment about the meaning of this parable. When Jesus teaches about the future, and what are the basic facts he reveals. What are the certainties, what are the truths of the age to come? And let's think about that for a moment. The first future certainty of which we can be sure of is this. At the end of the age, we will discover there are only two kinds of people, two types of people. Jesus says, the angels will separate the wicked from the righteous. As in the parable, there are good fish and there are bad fish. There are keepers and there are are those that you throw away. And there's nothing in between. In the same way, there are righteous people and there are unrighteous people. There are believers and unbelievers. There are people who will be welcome into heaven and there are people who will be cast into the fiery furnace and there is nothing in between. This is... This is difficult for a lot of people to accept. It's too simplistic for sophisticated people like us. It's too black and white. In fact, uh, that kind of either-or mentality is just downright offensive. Where is the tolerance in Jesus' thinking here? Where is the I'm okay and you're okay? If Jesus is correct, if every human... uh, in uh, if everyone in human history is either righteous or unrighteous with nothing in between, where does that leave the nice people? Where does that leave people who do not know Jesus Christ but are people of charity? Where does that leave people who do not trust in Christ but live kind and moral lives? I want to share this with all the concern and compassion that I possibly can. This world is filled with nice people who are, in fact, kind, moral, and considerate. But never forget this. No one is nice enough to be righteous in the eyes of God. You know why? Why? It's because all the niceness in the world cannot remove the stain of mankind's sinful nature. The nicest person in the world is still a sinner. And without Jesus Christ, even nice sinners will be separated from the righteous in the last day, at the end of time. Jesus isn't here to tell us what we want to hear but to tell us the truth, what we need to hear. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, in his parable, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. There are no other categories. There is no middle ground. Nice without Christ is not an option. Randy Alcorn, pastor and Christian author, he said, Too many Christians have chosen to believe whatever makes them feel good, ignoring, denying, or reinterpreting Scripture to suit culture's current definition of love and tolerance. Hence, culture and the reader of Scripture become the authority rather than Scripture itself. Faith becomes merely a collection of fleeting opinions, always subject to revision. To believe there are alternatives to the Word of God is to reduce what Christ accomplished on the cross at Calvary. And what did he accomplish? The once and for all sacrifice of the perfect for the imperfect. The offering to God of the spotless Lamb to save man from his sins. The forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus, which gives access to God through belief in his Son, Jesus Christ. to believe any other truth is to reduce what Christ accomplished to something that ultimately was meaningless because we decided there should be other ways to God. We are made righteous through the work of the cross. There is no other way. It must come through faith, belief, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for the sins of the world, your sins, my sins. The reality is many, many will be cast away. This is where Christianity, Christianity becomes offensive to people. But the truth is, what we like or don't like really doesn't matter. We're not God, right? Right? The second future certainty or truth of which we can be sure of is this. At the end of the age, just as, uh, just as there is a heaven, there is a hell. We all know about heaven. We all like messages and teachings on heaven. Heaven is real. Just a few verses earlier in verse 43 of Matthew chapter 13, remember, Jesus speaks of heaven when he says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Everyone who trusts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will spend eternity in heaven. Heaven is the place for all who have been forgiven of their sin, who have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. But Jesus warns us in verses 49 and 50 that there is a second eternal destination, a place that Jesus spoke of quite often, and a place we know as hell. And let's read those verses again, verses 49 and 50. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Nobody likes to talk about hell. Jesus makes it clear, and the Bible warns us that most people are living lives that will lead them to this fiery furnace that Jesus is speaking of. Of the verses in the New Testament that records Jesus' words, 13% of them deal with the subject of eternal judgment and hell. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven in order to warn men of its reality. He doesn't want anyone to go there. Why? Because no one in hell receives the gifts of God. No one tastes the love of God. No one in hell is healed by God, comforted by God, or delivered from their terror by God. And I know what many are thinking right now. What about God's love? Listen, God's love is not in question here in this teaching. God for, forever proved his love when he died on the cross for you and for me. God proved his love when he allowed man, his creation, to drive the nails through his hands and his feet. That's love. So we would not be separated from him. The third future certainty or truth we can be sure of is this. God alone is the authority of evil and righteousness. Who does Jesus say in his teachings will do the sorting of the wicked from the righteous? Does he say the fishermen will do the sorting in the end? No. Does he say the disciples will do the sorting? No. Jesus makes it a point to say at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the good from the bad. In other words, God alone is the judge, not us. This parable is a hard message For many of us to hear because we like to be in control. We like to be holders of all knowledge and the deciders of all our decisions. It's why we love remote controls and buffet lines, right? We like to make decisions. We like to have control. And here in this story, in this parable, Jesus illustrates this isn't yours or mine to control. The only decision we have is the path we take or choose. The road that the road that leads to the kingdom of heaven or Christ or the road of destruction that leads leads to this fiery furnace. Those are the paths we choose from. This message is so difficult to hear that often we don't hear, particularly those of us in the church. We draw lines based on denomination. Or how someone was baptized, or which version of the Bible is the official correct version, or what kind of music is best, and so on, and so on, and so on. We draw lines and, and try to be sorters. It's a lot easier to call down fire from heaven on our enemies than to love them, right? What happens at the end of the age is not up to us. We cannot control who's in and who's out or who follows Jesus Christ. The best we can do is love the Lord, love our neighbors, love our enemies, and then let God sort out the rest. The net of God's judgment moves the sea of all humanity and draws all people to the shores of eternity for final separation to their ultimate destiny. Believers to eternal life and unbelievers to eternal damnation. You know, people move about within, within the net as if they were forever free. The net may touch them from time to time, kind of startling them, getting their attention, but they quickly move away, swim away thinking that they've escaped, not realizing they're completely and unavoidably encompassed by God's sovereign plan. The invisible net of God's judgment encroaches on every human being just as the physical net encroaches on the fish that's in this parable and the story that Jesus shares with us. Most people do not understand God's spiritual kingdom and they do not see God working in this physical world. They may briefly be moved by the grace of the gospel or frightened by the threat of judgment, but they soon return to their old ways of thinking and living life, oblivious to the things of eternity. But when humanity's day is over and Christ returns to finalize his glorious kingdom, then judgment will come. These these heavenly beings, angels, will be accurate in their sorting. There will be no mistakes. They have the power and character to accurately distinguish between good and bad. And as a close this morning, the parable of the net teaches us about how it will be. It teaches us that the kingdom net catches all. It teaches that only the righteous will be kept in the kingdom of heaven. And it teaches us that the only alternative to God's kingdom is a reality Jesus calls a fiery furnace. But there's hope for all mankind, and that is in Christ Jesus. You can trust the finished work of Christ on the cross. If you trust Jesus as your Lord and as your salvation, then your reward is his kingdom now and forever. Reminds me of a story told of a pioneer family traveling across uh, the western uh, plains in a covered wagon. uh, Way back in the day, they watched in terror as a huge prairie fire, driven by strong winds, rushed towards them, and they were afraid of of, of losing their lives. But the father acted quickly. He quickly started a fire of his own. He lit the dry uh, prairie grass around their wagon, and as the fire burned uh, downwind, he pulled. Their wagon onto the uh, burned out area and his family stood there as the fire swept around and past them. The oncoming prairie fire did uh, did not burn what had already been burned. The family found safety where the fire had already burned. There's one place where the fire of God's judgment against sin has already fallen. And that's at the cross of Jesus Christ. You can wait and stand before God at the end of age, at the end of time, or you can stand at the cross where God's wrath against sin has already burned. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be standing at the cross of Jesus. Amen? The Bible says that whoever believes, trusts in Christ, in Jesus, will not die, but have eternal life. My question for you as I close, is the Holy Spirit calling you to the cross today? Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us the opportunity to worship and honor and glorify you uh, through praise, uh, through the reading of your word, through your teaching. Uh, Lord, I pray that this day is a day of, of remembering, Lord, Remembering the cross. Understanding truth from your teachings. Revealing what the future holds for mankind. May we be mindful. And may we respond accordingly. Lord, we give this remaining day over to you. May it be this time of worship and it be pleasing to you, and may the day before us, our actions and our speech, be honoring and pleasing to your kingdom, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining me today. It's always great to get into the Word of God. Sometimes it's, it's words that we don't want to hear, teachings we don't want to hear, but they're helpful, they're useful. They remind us. Of the love of God. So, as we depart from each other this morning, have a glorious day, glorious week, and remember God loves you. See you next week.